to Nerds on the Black. I'm Zach Gifford, your regular host, joined today by Birds on the Black and Chirps hosts uh, Alex Chrisafuli and John Fleming, formerly of Vivo Birdos and now at STL Bullpen. Uh, thanks, both of you, for joining me on pretty short notice. Uh, John, we'll start with you. I, we were talking about some big news uh, in your personal life that uh, maybe you're excited. Hopefully, you're excited to share. Uh, yeah, I uh, just closed on a house about a little over 30 hours ago. I've spent most of that time moving stuff into a house, uh, painting. Um, very tired, very happy to sit on a couch and talk about baseball rather than think about all the uh, moving I still have to do. Is that uh, I think that's probably the biggest quarantine uh, or COVID accomplishment of uh, the group. <laughs> on I had a, I have kept the dog alive now for eight months or nine, ten months, which is a, uh, that's that's an, a surprising accomplishment. But uh, well, you probably are staying at home more often now. That probably helps with it. Oh yeah, that's uh, yeah. I've been at home since like March. Basically, it's uh, it's it's been long. Chicago's uh, pretty much totally shut down. So. Uh, Alex, I, I heard you had your own battle. Uh, are you talking about COVID? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I, I got tested again today for the fourth time. Uh, for those who don't know what you're talking about, and I assume that's everyone. Uh, basically, everyone in my family has tested positive for COVID but me. Um, and uh, You need to share the secret, uh, whatever it is we're all, we're all <laughs> I, looking for. I, I don't know what that secret is. Uh, in fact, I'm, <laughs> I'm expecting that I will test positive tomorrow. Uh, I, everyone's fine, by the way, uh, in case anyone's yeah. wondering. Uh, so don't, you know, uh, send your thoughts and prayers somewhere else. Uh, but, yeah, very, very mild symptoms for everyone. So we're all doing fine. But, yeah. Glad Crazy. to hear. Yeah. So we can start on the baseball talk. Uh, it's been, you know, a while since I, I've had the show, um, about two months, but nothing has really happened. The Cardinals lost in the playoffs, uh, rather disappointingly. Um, MLBs, you know, it seems like most teams are still trying to figure out what their budgets are going to be for next year. Um, Cardinals are kind of in the same boat. We saw Colton Wong leave the Rule 5 draft one today. They, I think, took one minor leaguer. They haven't made any other um, – Acquisitions. I think you can hear my dog whining in the background. Um, he's upset about but, the lack of action. I get it. Yeah, yeah, he's <laughs> upset too. He's uh, he he was excited to watch the ball get thrown around on TV. So uh, we're hope he's looking for a better team. But um, the big news, I think, roster wise, that came out was the Cardinals offered Molina something um, yesterday that he called ridiculous um, and rejected. And I'm I'm curious. I have my own thoughts. I'm curious to hear where you guys are at um, on the Yachty saga and Wayno and when whether they're coming back or not. Um, so, John, we'll start with you, I guess. What do you make of the comments from – I think it was from Molina's agent. Um, and, you know, what should we – should we be preparing, I guess, for Molina to, to walk for 2021? Well, I think it makes sense to prepare for him to walk just because, you know, then worst-case scenario, the thing we expected to happen happened. Uh, best case, we're all very happy because Yadier Molina is back. But, you know, I, I do think that this is a situation where it makes just total sense for both parties to get something done just because, you know, while the Cardinals, you know, might have some sort of internal options to catch that they feel okay with, it's not as though those internal options are a lot better than the current options of any team that's considering signing Yadier Molina. 
And I think that, you know, while I tend to be a relatively unsentimental person when it comes to keeping players around, like there is some value to that. I think that with him and with Wainwright, there is some value to the idea of having them as lifelong Cardinals just to sort of say that that happened because, you know, the way baseball is gone, it's probably not going to, there's not that many opportunities for it to happen. And they're also, you know, still decently productive players. They're obviously not what they were in the past, but this isn't like, you know, trotting out, you know, you know, negative two war Willie McGee in the late nineties. This is like guys who were still like, or Chris Davis in 2020 or Chris Davis in 2020. Yeah. Uh, Um, Go ahead, Alex. No, I was just gonna say I, I think the Cardinal I think the Cardinals and Yachty really deserve each other because they are the two most whiny uh, <laughs> entities in public. Have you know like the uh, and I'm I thought of this today when I saw I think it was Mosaic's comments about Carlos Martinez, um, which I think are entirely fair, but uh, on one level, but I hate and this has been one of my biggest complaints about Mizalik for a while is how often he seems to, I don't know if drag, drag his players is the right word in public, but kind of say things that I think could be left behind closed doors. Um, and Yachty yesterday, I think he called what the Cardinals offer, what ridiculous. Is that the, the term yeah. you, yeah. So yeah. they're both just like, uh, meaning the Cardinals and Yachty, just like these two whiny things that need to be together um and like like john said it's clear that they're not going to put like an amazing roster on the field this season uh i think we can all agree on that so if that's the case then at least give us yadier molina and adam wainwright because those two guys mean something to us and they are still productive at least on some in some capacity yeah, and so I was just pulling up. Wainwright's actually been, if if you believe in Fangraph's version of war is like a good measure, which it has you know, obviously merits and whatever, um, and has its critics too. But he's been the Cardinals' second most productive starter since the beginning of last year. So he had a good 2020. He had a good 2019. Uh, I'm looking further back now, but he, you know, I was. I kind of thought he was done like five years ago um, and it sort of looked like he was done um, for a few of those years. But like now you look at the roster, like you don't have five clear cut starters. I don't think, um, you know, you're going to be dealing with somebody like Gomber or Ponce Leon or Oviedo or Reyes. They're talking about, you know, possibly in a, a spot. And you also, you're coming off a year where nobody threw that many innings. So, um, I've, I saw it thrown around that, you know, you might end up with seven or eight. I think it was the, uh, Ben, the old, ben Humphrey, um, yeah. yeah, old Viva Alberto's managing editor. He was saying you might end up with seven or eight guys that have to throw 80 to hundred innings. Um, and Wainwright, you know, for, he's been an average, you know, league average pitcher the last couple of years. And that's, that's going to be worth something when, when you just need innings. Um, Archer, can you be quiet? Sorry about that. Yeah. Um, but I, and then I think with Molina, you know, I don't think the drop off from Kisner um, is, is too much, uh, but there's something to be said for continuity with the pitching staff um, and just like his ability to manage what they have and, and kind of get the young guys through tougher situations. Um, but Matty Ice asking if the Cardinals signed Yachty for two years, 
Um, do we jump all aboard the trade Kisner train? John, go ahead. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is sort of hedging my bets on this, but uh, it depends what you can get for Andrew Kisner. At this point, it's not like he's established himself as being a major league catcher. He's still you know, somewhat young, but it's not like he's a 20-year-old kid at this point. I, I truly, at this point, don't know what you could get for Andrew Kisner. If you're able to you know, get some sort of like actual legitimate prospect for him or somebody who's going to be useful at the major league level, then yeah, sure, I think that it's you know, worth looking into because you might be looking at somebody else as being your catcher of the future at that point. But if you're just going to be trading him for, you know, a you know washed up minor league player, then you know what's the point? Then Andrew Kisner's value just as a backup catcher would be more than that. Yeah, I said John, go ahead because I have no idea uh, when it comes to like pros- <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> when, it co- when it comes to prospects, I'm good at like knowing who the next guy might be, but never like the next next guy. So I don't even know who we would have uh, uh, lined up. I guess if we were to trade Kisner, maybe it wouldn't matter if we're, if we're still banking on a couple more years out of Yadier Molina and that would give them time to figure that situation out. But yeah, Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of in the same boat. I think Kyle's talked about, I want to say it's, I'm probably It might be Herrera. There's somebody else that's a couple years behind Kisner that, um, you know, Kyle's talked about potentially being kind of the next in that line of, from, guys that get passed over by Yachty. So Kelly, Kisner, and then him. Um, but yeah, I mean, you do need a quality backup. Kisner hasn't really proven. It's only been like two cups of coffee in the majors, but he hasn't done a whole lot with those opportunities yet. Um, and so I just, I wonder how much, yeah, like John said, I don't know that you're getting a lot from him. He's like three or four or a couple of years removed from like his good minor league seasons. Um and he hasn't in his when he's been in the majors, it's been limited opportunities. But I would assume that you know he has better trade value if he kind of hits the ground running in those opportunities. I don't know. I, I'm curious. Um, if, sorry to interrupt, but how many plate appearances? Let's say Yachty is back next year and and he's the starting catcher. In, in a perfect world, how many plate appearances would you like to see Kisner get at at this point? I mean, it's <laughs> and that and that's stipulating that Yachty's like, yeah, cool, whatever. I will sit down, however many times yeah. you want me to sit it's down. It's a pretty big. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. a yeah, that's a pretty big hypothetical. Um, I don't. I mean, like, I think you need two hundred probably to see what you get out of Kisner. So, um, and even because yeah. then you're playing like every third game, maybe like you can get into some kind of rhythm. Uh, Kyle, who will be on after us, said Herrera is the one everyone talks about. Julio Rodriguez is potentially more of a stable backup. Thanks, Kyle. Of course, uh, I have heard of, I barely heard of Herrera, never heard of Julio Rodriguez, but Kyle, of course, has that in his back pocket. Kyle will be on after us uh, with Pat, so you can ask all the prospect questions there. Um, but yeah, I I think you got to get Kisner a rhythm, and then if he if he if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But yeah, we threw out Weeders, you know, the last couple of years, and he's nothing but replacement level anymore. So you're not really losing anything by trying Kisner. And Weeders is kind of an interesting example of sort of we're thinking of Kisner as being this prospect that we thought of as being like the next big thing, and like that was Matt Weeders ten years ago. And granted, Weeders actually did have a few years of productive value, but you know, guys don't necessarily last as long as Yadi or Molina has at. A premium level like even if Molina's not like a premium player he's still like a, a major league caliber catcher and has been for 16 years running and that's not true of everybody and you kind of have to you know be mm-hmm. mindful of that with any prospect that comes up 
I kind of wonder if JT Real Muto's market is going to get um, is going to be kind of tough for him because of all the innings that he's caught. So you think, at least for me, it's kind of it's similar to like Buster Posey, where Buster Posey's still good, but you're not getting, you know, the same Buster Posey you're getting five years ago. At a certain point, for most guys, it seems like the just catching those innings, getting up and down thousands and thousands of times, takes the toll. Molina's kind of somehow been able to weather that. Um, but it'll be interesting because you've seen like the Mets specifically come to mind where they're talking to McCann, who's had a couple breakout seasons recently, but he's a little older, but has, you know, hundreds and hundreds of less innings on his behind the plate. Um, and if you think that the difference next year is, you know, one win, but that Real Muto carries a risk of kind of falling off the catcher cliff, so to say, um, I, I wonder how teams are going to view that it's so crazy to think that because rail muto like we think of him now as having a lot of uh, mileage on him he's like almost a decade younger than yadi or molina like it's not yeah. like he's like contemporary of him and yet here we are yeah it, it'll be yeah it'll be interesting to see i think um the cardinals so when when the cardinals let Wong go, this is just kind of general mark general like offseason market i we, we've seen a lot of, you know, it seems like there's hesitation to spend for sure, but the deals that have gotten signed, they're short term, but they're not like crazy low dollar amounts. So like Trevor May got 7 million. I think Adam Eaton got 8 million. Carlos Santana got two years, 15 million. Um, what are you guys expecting? So for, for, in my mind, a guy like Wong, Wong will probably get something similar to what the Cardinals declined would be my guess. Um, do you think that the like is there going to be like a big pullback at the top of the market? Are we going to see a lot of shorter term deals in anticipation of like a CBA and a potential strike? I, do you, I, it's hard for me to like know what to expect this offseason other than to expect the Cardinals to do like almost nothing. No, it's, it's funny you ask that in relation to Wong because it was them uh, not picking up Wong's option that made me realize, like, I have no idea right now where this uh, market is even at if, if that, what was it, 12.5, 12.5 million that, for, for Wong? Is that what it would have been? Yeah, it was, uh, I think it was 12 million and there was like 1 million to decline his option. So it was okay. like 11 million net or something. Okay, and yeah, so I was thinking if, if somehow – that's too expensive for a guy who is what 30 um yep. yeah and playing his best baseball arguably the best second baseman in the national league then i i don't even know what's going on anymore uh that just and, and part of it is because i've been a little more withdrawn from the whole baseball world just because of everything that's going on so i feel a little more out of it but i've still been waiting and maybe one of you can do this to hear um not necessarily that you believe this but a defense of not picking up Wong's option like does is there a solid like what what is out there to even say like well this is why they did this this is why they they had kind of the leverage and the flexibility where they could let Wong walk for even though it only would have cost 12 million to to have him around for a year I mean for me I think it's you're looking at what value does he have over the next guy and to me it probably says two things. It says one, they think highly of Tommy Edmonds still. They think that he's probably a similar player to Wong, which is, you know, productive above average player, um, kind of even in his bad years. Uh, I don't know that I believe in Edmond that much, but it seems like, you know, 
they at least think he's close to that. Uh, but then I also think they're just going to play, you know, from Bill DeWitt looking at Carpenter, that it's like he has to pay him this year. He's not going to get anyone to take take that money, the $18 million that Carpenter's owed. And to me, it seems like the thought is for 2021 that if you're going to get paid, you're going to play. Um, and I think that's bad for the Cardinals. Uh, Matt Carpenter's not a productive player anymore. He hasn't been a productive player for two years, and there aren't really any signs that he's going to be one again. Uh, but it, I think they're getting ready to run him out there for 500-plus plate appearances, and I hope that they don't vest his option, basically. Yeah, I think that the the main concern I have with letting Wong walk, it's less because of Edmund, while I'm also not totally sold on Tommy Edmund, I can see the argument of Edmund not being a dramatic drop-off from Wong. But the problem is that Edmund is also your your fail-safe for Matt Carpenter, like you mentioned, or for Paul DeYoung, unless they you know bring Brad Miller back, figure out what they're going to do there. But like he's and he's also an alternate outfield option, which is you know that speaks to the quality of the outfield options. But regardless, <laughs> like you kind of need some sort of depth there. And I think that while getting rid of Colton Wong, I don't think is going to be the reason that the Cardinals would drop you know ten wins in the standings or something like that. But I think that this does kind of a lot of the the floor that Tommy Edmund provides is no longer there because you're now counting on him every day. And even if Matt Carpenter bounces back a little bit, even if, you know, Tommy Edmund's able to sort of keep up what he did last year, which, you know, while it was a drop off from 2019 was still fine, then like, that's okay. But considering the lack of excitement we have for the outfield at that point, you're basically looking at Paul Goldschmidt, hoping you get the good version of Paul DeYoung, kind of shakiness at second and third base and at, at that point I don't know hope that 85 are. hope that 85 <laughs> wins makes the playoffs yeah and, at, that, at that point you're kind of shooting for like the low to mid 80s and maybe yeah. that's enough and maybe you catch a few breaks here and there and I'm perfectly okay <laughs> with the Cardinal kind of shooting for being okay rather than going all in and then you know being terrible for years after that but I just don't know if they're quite to that level at this point I think they still are a move or two away yeah and I, I think that's the thing is like I'm a I'm a big Tommy Edmund fan, but as you all said, if you believe in Tommy Edmund to fill in for Wong, that means you have to believe in Matt Carpenter, ready to take six hundred or or whatever plate appearances yeah. at third base and um That's I a don't, tough ass. Yeah, 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 it is. So I don't and know. I, it's go ahead. And I think I'm more bullish on Matt Carpenter than you guys are, and probably more bullish than most people are, but you're depending on that and you're depending on Tommy Evan to keep it up and you're depending on Paul DeYoung not to turn into a pumpkin in the second half of the season. There's just a lot of factors that you're hoping for and like maybe they all click. I think it's certainly reasonable to expect that one of them will click, but there's a lot of risk there. And you mentioned Edmund like being an outfield option. Like when I'm looking for guys that the Cardinals might actually sign, I'm like looking for somebody who can play second can play third, maybe can play short, and maybe can play in left or right field. And so you're you're just trying to replace Edmund with another probably older Edmund. Or you know, so like Jerks and Profar, um, John LaRue talked about um, like, like a week ago. Jerks and Profar is a good fit because he can, you know, he plays a decent second, he plays a decent third, he can stand it short, and he has some experience in the outfield. Um, and so it's uh it's just it's kind of funny that by moving Wong, they just found themselves ending kind of needing to replace Edmund and you just kind of moved the target a little bit. And maybe they can find somebody to replace Edmund a little cheaper. I don't know. 
Um, but like you said, it doesn't, they're not going to be a better team for it. Um, which I think is the frustrating part. Like they've been good. They've been kind of on the verge of the divisions, not really doing anything. The Reds just traded away their best reliever. Um, the division's there if for the taking, if they want to take it. And it seems like nobody wants to. The Cubs, I think, you know, not entered Schwarber, they don't want it either. It's just kind of a sad state, I think, in uh, in the NL Central, unfortunately. Um, the Pirates are one or two moves away. They're right there. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, what's the streak at, Alex? How the Pirates have finished below the Cardinals in the standings for how many years? The Pirates have finished below the Cardinals every year since 1999 in the standings. Um, it's the longest, uh, me- meaning it started in the year 2000. Um, it's the longest such streak in baseball. And I believe it's the longest, I think the longest streak ever of this kind of thing was like the Yankees over like the Philadelphia Athletics for like 40 years or, or something. I think so it's the Car- Browns. What's that? I think it might have been over the Browns, actually. Oh, really? Okay. Well, that that would certainly positive, make yeah, no, yeah. that would certainly make a lot of sense as well. Although the what the Browns went to the series like what in the forties, so, forty four, yeah, yeah. So that may have interrupted that. Um, I remember they answered this one time on Effectively Wild. It could have been the Browns, uh, but yeah. So Cardinals have finished ahead of the Pirates every year since uh, starting in the year two thousand. And I was actually looking at this the other day. The Pirates. You know, they they finally, I think in 2013, broke that streak where they actually finished above 500 for the first time in 20 years. Yeah. But they haven't won a division since we have gone to the wild card format. Well, the worst, the the, like most pirates thing to happen is the year they won 97, (laughs) the Cubs won 98, and the Cardinals won 100. No, it was it was, I think it, was flipped, it was the yeah. opposite. Yeah, oh, yeah. Pirates ninety eight. Yeah, Cubs won ninety seven and Pirates. I like I liked it better in my head than I should have kept it there. Um, it adds to the tragedy of it. <laughs> yeah. So moving on a little from baseball, I know uh, there's a big basketball game coming up this weekend. Uh, it's going to be very hard to watch. Um, it is on Illinois and Missouri are playing the annual bragging rights game. You mean Normally, literally hard to watch? It's going to be very – so it's airing on SEC alternate network or something like that. I know I don't get normal SEC network, so I know I won't get SEC alternate. Um, I'm going to find a way uh, to stream it somewhere, I hope. Um, unfortunately, probably for Alex, because then he'll have to deal. He, not only will he not be able to watch the game, uh, but he will still have to scroll, go look at his Twitter and see me angry about a team ranked in the top 10 with multiple probable future NBA players. I, I think I've said, I've said before to you that uh... – I don't know if people see our rapport on there. And like, I am kidding when I tell you to basically shut the fuck up when you're talking about <laughs> Illinois. Uh, but I, I do appreciate the fact that you're very smart. You're super smart, but you're not above like when like the best player in Illinois misses a free throw, like calling him a piece of crap and that like his draft stock just dropped 20 or, you know, like 20 spots or something. They, they've had 25 I, years of disappointing me. I, I don't I admire, know anything else. I, I admire that. Uh, you know, cause I think we, we've arrived at a point where every fan is trying to be, and, you know, for good reason, like, but every fan is trying to be too, like, uh, non-hot takey. Uh, and yeah. that's good, uh, obviously. But every once in a while, like, you just kind of have to let it fly. So I... I I, uh, in spite of how mad I, I appear to be online about your awful uh, 
takes with Illinois basketball. I, I appreciate it on, on some level. You're clearly uh, laughing about this. This is all very <laughs> funny to you. Yeah, it, uh, I, I've always, I don't know why, but I, I feel like the Cardinals, I've kind of like figured out that baseball is just a big collection of whatever anyway. So like it's 160 some games. I can't get up too upset about it. I haven't figured that out with college basketball yet. Cause I feel like every like bad loss is going to matter at the end of the year. Every good win is going to matter at the end of the year. And for two hours, I think the biggest thing is I spend two hours like actively watching this, whereas baseball is just kind of on for me usually. It's just like background noise. But I, I get to the end of a game like against Ohio, and it's like I just spent two hours watching them almost lose to Ohio. Like, you know, what the hell? Um, Missouri similarly had to sweat one out uh, the other day. John, I don't know if you had to watch that. Um, I think it was last night, maybe, against Liberty. Yeah, last night they had a comeback against Liberty. Uh, I'm currently in kind of a, a flux cable situation, and also I can't go to a bar because the world is shut down. So I actually have not seen a second of Mizzou basketball this year, though I just did get cable for my uh, new house today, so I might be able to watch the game on Saturday. Um, we'll see. I expect that Illinois will probably win the game, but really... The thing about being a Mizzou fan is that I don't have any expectation that they'll ever like win a national championship in basketball or football. But if they can just like make the tournament, that's cool. If the football team can go eight and four every year, that's cool. That's all I'm really asking for. I, I'm not that demanding, but I haven't even gotten that lately. So, uh, well, no. I, I think that's why I really love this game every year. Uh, Partly because I never really knew many Mizzou fans, so I had no reason to dislike them. Because the the easiest way for me to dislike a team is to actually meet some of their fans, usually. And I didn't know any, really. So Mizzou, and, you know, I felt like they similar common bonds to the Cardinals and stuff. Um, you know, I, I don't think John would be offended if I said Illinois is probably the historically a slightly better program. Oh, yeah. But, but, they're, but they're very similar programs still in that, like, you know, Mizzou's, I guess, biggest rival back in the Big 12 days was Kansas, I assume. Um, but I don't know if Kansas felt that way about Mizzou. Maybe they They probably did, actually. But Illinois was kind of always like, we all kind of always had these roving rivals, like, uh, I guess, Indiana. But we were never Indiana's biggest rival, except maybe during the Eric Gordon uh, debacle. Uh, so I, I don't know. I, my point is that the the programs have always felt kind of similar to me in a way this the uh, does that make sense you know like they they've always been kind of on the periphery of always pretty solid um i don't know if mizzou's ever had a great team or, or recently a great team like illinois has had but they've always been at least solid uh, well, well not, they, the last few years notwithstanding but well mizzou did have a great regular season team we don't need to talk about what happened <laughs> I, I assume the tournament I, was canceled in 2012 the, i i the, can't really guess on that one Th that that's one of those games where i i remember exactly where i was watching right after work went to a bar uh, around the corner to watch mizzou was it norfolk state no. is that freaking kylo quinn is still around playing professional basketball well because that was the same day that duke lost to lehigh with uh, cj mccollum so like right. in, okay. in, so 215s beat twos but in both situations the 15 had like the best nba player on the court so was, was, was that, that was that the year that Louisville lost? It, like Louisville was a top three or four seed and lost in the first round too. I think so. I it's remember I was right. there was one year I was I was in high school, so twenty twelve would have fit that. Uh, I was like watching the games 
during class on my phone and all of like it was within like the first four hours of the tournament starting all of my final four teams were out everyone it was it was the worst pick it was the worst picking ever like ever well, I was about to ask if that was the same year Georgetown lost to uh, Florida, Florida, but Gulf that Coast. couldn't have been because there's no that way that would have been. Okay, yeah, there couldn't have been three number two seeds lose um, in the same year, but okay, that makes sense. Yeah, it was. I just were like, I was sitting. I think it was in like a, a world history. No, not world. You probably geography. It was geography. I was going to say history, but it was geography. I was sitting in geography class and watching on my phone because who needs to learn geography? And yeah, it was uh, I, it was a nightmare scenario. I just watched him watched him fall. Um, it was horrible. And then since then, uh, all my picks are always bad. Whatever I pick, pick the opposite, and you'll be fine. Um, that was where it all fell apart for me. John, I, I have a question. Uh, you probably, if you pay a little bit of attention here, a line I fans talk all the time. You had about eighty nine or the 05 team. Uh, who's the Mizzou team that like that the fan base absolutely loves? Uh, as far as people that are like my generation, probably just the 12 team, which is unfortunate because uh, the lack of tournament success. The 09 team was, was quite good as well. They were a three seed, I think they were, and they made the Elite Eight and they lost to uh, UConn to get to the Final Four. They've had a couple decent teams. The, the last time they were a number one seed was 94, which is, I, I was alive, but it's a little bit before my uh, paying attention time. Was that They're, Anthony Peeler or uh, who's been on 94? I think Peeler was around. I honestly, I'm, I'm okay. not great with uh, any Mizzou history before my paying attention, unfortunately. But uh, I think the closest thing that like uh, St. Louis area Mizzou fans had to like some sort of like championship bandwagon. So I knew a lot of people for the 0405 who were on the Illini bandwagon because that team was just incredibly fun to watch. And like I never had like the hate for like Illinois that I did with. Uh, I did with Kansas because I was always rooting against Kansas in every possible context, no matter what. But, you know, watching Darren Williams and D Brown and Luther head was just a lot of fun. So I have to tip my cap there. Yeah, that was fun. And I, when, when we were blowing out, I forget who we even played in the first game this year and we were like blowing them out. And I tweeted something like this might be the best Illinois team since Oh five. And I, then later I was thinking like, well, it's not like there's been a ton of awesome Illinois teams <laughs> yeah. since 05. So I don't know how bold of a statement that actually was. Uh, so, yeah, I also miss Luther Head and Darren Williams and, and Dee Brown. They've, uh, they've creeped up to 20 wins a couple times that I can remember. But uh, it's, been a, it's been a little slow over the last 15 years. Um, it's probably because I watched them. So the, the, like when they were good, I, would, I like, wouldn't be able to watch the game. Even in 0405, they – always did better when I wasn't watching. So that comeback in March against Arizona, I was literally hiding in a closet when, when they went down 15, cause I knew I was the problem. And then they came, they came back. I was not watching the game the entire time. I didn't watch overtime. I never saw that comeback until I was like in college, like 21, 22 years old. It was the first time I like allowed myself to watch the only like good Illinois thing to ever happen in my lifetime. Um, so we'll start, uh, I guess, before we wrap up, uh, I want to get each of your guys' picks for the game this weekend. I'll start. Uh, last year, I thought Illinois was good. They lost to Missouri. I found out while I was standing on top of a mountain skiing. 
Uh, I tried not to let it ruin the rest of that day. It sort of did anyways. Uh, I, despite how negative I'm going to be during the game and leading up to the game, I will take Illinois. It's going to be close. It's always close. Uh, Missouri is actually, I think, pretty good this year. They have, I think, like four former Illinois recruits, Mark Smith, Tillman, uh, Pickett, and I feel like there's one more. Uh, but I will take Illinois in a close one. I hope it gets chippy because chippy is always interesting. I, I love it when it gets chippy. I think there was a little chippiness last year. Tillman and uh, someone got into it, and I, I thought it was wonderful. Uh, I want to say Illinois, of course. Um, Tillman, if I recall, really got the best of, of Kofi last year. and I, I don't I, think Kofi's gotten better. That's what I was about to say. His, his hands just worry me a little bit. Um, but I, I, I think we have the best player on the court in Ayo. Um, I'm going to say Illinois, but I'm not that confident in the pick. And I will say Illinois by five, 75 to 70, which was actually the oh, final score of the North Carolina championship game. So fuck that. I'm not saying that <laughs> score. Uh, 74 to 69. Nice. Got to throw in a 69 for the sake of the internet, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Why am well, I cursing so much? I don't curse. I, it's, that, it's that one beer that you've had. <laughs> Well, I'm going to dispute Zach's earlier notion, having watched a lot of mid-aughts bragging rights games, that the games are always close, (laughs) because they are not always close. But um, last couple have been pretty good. I actually have attended the the previous two. I will will not be attending this year's. But um, I would say that it's hard for me to pick Mizzou, even though I think they certainly have a chance to win, because I think the two teams are relatively even. But like I, I'm still gonna go with I'm gonna go with my head rather than my heart. I'll say Illinois wins probably by about four or five, like Alex said. I feel like we're gonna it's gonna be a relatively sort of optimistic game at the end because you know as, as much as Mizzou fans like winning that game, you know we still would rather just like have a good season rather than have a good night in December. So you know if the game ends, you know being you know, relatively well-played Illinois just outplays Mizzou. We can kind of, you know, hold our heads up and, you know, feel like this is still a, a tournament team. Yeah, and I uh, – people, just pick Mizzou, John. Uh, I, I will not be bullied. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think for – you know, I see a lot of Mizzou just from not liking Missouri and following it out of kind of – an anti-fan perspective, uh, but it, you guys beat Oregon. Season's gone off to a good start. It's not one of those years where neither team had, or one of the teams doesn't really have anything to play for other than the rivalry games, which has been the case uh, a few times in my recent memory. Uh, so should be, should be a good game. Won't be the end of the season uh, for either of them, but it will probably appear that way uh, if seems you're scrolling. Like a, seems like a real knock on wood moment for uh, 2020 to say that the season won't end with. It, it actually, Mike Shashevsky, Mike Shashevsky wants it to end now. After uh, we Illinois. we ended Duke, Zach. Yeah, we we yeah, broke yeah. we broke uh, Coach broke K. K. Yeah, we yeah. broke Coach K. So he went from saying the NCA had to have the tournament, couldn't go two years without it, to questioning whether they should play or not, which is fair. Um, I don't want to make I don't want to make too much light of that, but I, I hope you guys are okay with the fact that you made North Carolina fans happy by beating Duke. 
Uh, yeah, that's a that's a weird triangle of uh, whenever they play, of trying to figure out how do I even uh, because I, I think a normal person says like, well, I, I'm never cheering for Duke, but I, I have such bad feelings about North Carolina now that it's that's just a really bad game for me. Yeah, it's hard to I I don't even when I watch that game, I just hope it's close and that bad things happen. Um, and whoever wins wins kind of by accident, basically. Um, which kind of happened last year. They had a couple. Yeah, I was gonna say that the one game last year. I remember that. <laughs> I was like, that was, yeah, that kind of it was a strange ending. Uh, North Carolina had a terrible season, almost beat Duke, and somehow managed to choke it away twice. I think. Um, but we'll see how it goes. Looking forward to it. I. Uh, you're probably going to have to illegally stream it if you're going to watch it, unless you pay for the like fourth tier of whatever cable package you have. So good luck to everyone trying to actually watch the basketball game. Uh, we will be back. Uh, so the nerds on the black is kind of, we're kicking it back up with the off season. I'm hoping uh, that we can keep this going um, and definitely looking forward to hopefully in the future, having you guys both back at some point. Um, and hopefully soon we get some baseball news to talk about. Uh, Mosaic said that January is the new December, though, so I am not holding my breath. Uh, but hopefully we, we see something soon. Uh, so thanks, both of you. We'll kick it over uh, to Kyle Reese of Birds on the Black. He's going to be starting pad uh, if he hasn't already gotten it going. Uh, that should be fun. Should go for a while. Um and so we'll hopefully uh, I'll be in the comments over there and see everybody on that side. So appreciate it, everyone. Thanks, man. Thank you.